Adam Crowley Show. Maybe I decide those teats don't need milking. Oh, it's close. That was close. Maybe I decide those teats don't need milking. Adam Crowley on ESPN Pittsburgh. The udders don't need a squeezing. You found the Crowley Show. Well, your mom listens, and you should, too. 412-922-2874 is the number to call, or you can join the cast of dozens. Follow me on Twitter, at underscore Adam Crowley. Brian LaMartina sitting across from me, shirtless Tom behind the glass. Check them out on Twitter, at FBomber73, and at ButtonPusher970, although I should probably steer people away from ButtonPusher970 now, because he called me a liberal cuck, and I do not respect that. Well, I don't respect when the show host of the show I produce lies constantly. That was harsh. I kind of start lashing out at that point. Are you guys going over our relationships with a fine-tooth comb to Me? see all the different times that I've been lying? No, no, not at all. Oh, Tom good. has been, I think. I'm questioning everything right now. I don't believe a damn word you say right now, but... <laughs> That's fair. Top Gun did it for me. Yes. Like, all that time, you had been, like, we'd been dropping Top Gun lines and laughing about Top Gun and, like, yeah, it's funny. Isn't that volleyball scene weird? Yeah, with the music behind it. That's funny. Yeah, that's a great scene. How about when Goose died? Yeah. Oh, goodness gracious, Great Balls of Fire. You've been lying the whole time. That's what that's from? Goodness gracious, Great Balls of Fire? That's not from that. It was, oh. it was featured in it, but it was actually came before that. Okay. It was an older song. In a different movie. That I never saw. Well, you could get technical and say that that song was in, uh, what was the Richie Valens one? Uh, whatever it was. That thing. Yeah. I'm not going to know. Yeah, you won't know. Yeah, I can see why anyway, that. you've been lying about Top Gun for like at least two and a half years. Well, have you ever been in a situation in your life where you got caught in a lie and the lie keeps getting bigger and bigger yeah. and bigger and bigger and then there's nothing you can do about it. You either fess up and get crushed for being a liar, or you try to fake your way through it as much as possible. And I was at a crossroads up until yesterday. And in fact, I feel like a free man now. You were like, deny till die. And then like yesterday, it all came down. And you just had to let it out. I get it. Tom may or may not have told us a story during the break that happened in his childhood that he may or may not want to say on the air. But transparency is the number one virtue of the Crowley show. Tom, mm-hmm. have you ever lied for so long that you know you couldn't have told the truth or else it only would have gotten worse? I, de- I, I definitely want to tell the story on the air, but I just want to say to you before that, you know you don't have to lie, right? Like, we won't judge you if you just say, yeah, I've never seen Top Gun. <laughs> like, you don't have to create the stress for yourself no, for two and a half years of lying to us and being like, i got to keep up the charade that I've seen Top Gun around these people, and I never have. Like, you can just come out of the gate and be like, yeah, man, I've never seen it. Charade? Charade? Charade. Charade. Char- Charade. Charade. So anyway, I was in fifth grade at St. Bernard's. Crowley, you're an alumni of that great school, too. And um, our teacher, Mrs. Fox, I think her name was. I don't remember. Who cares? No, she is an adult with braces. So Like a a fat guy named Tiny? Exactly. So she's, you know, drawn on the, the chalkboard, back turned to the classroom, giving us homework. And she gives us the homework assignment. And I let out, like, this really soft, like, aww. And she snaps her head around and looks at all the students. She goes, said that who said that i want to know right now and she's pointing she's going nuts so at this point i'm just like holy crap i can't admit to this now but it just keeps going further and further and it escalates to the point where she's like if no one's gonna come forward and admit who made that noise 
you're all sitting in here for recess with your heads down, and no one will get to go outside until someone confesses. So this went on for like two or three days of us having to keep our heads down. And by day two, I'm like, there's no chance in hell I can come forward and admit that I'm the one who did this wrong. And my classmates are like, please, someone, whoever did this, go forward and admit it. Like, we want to go outside for recess. I was like, screw that. I'm just keeping my head down and trying to wait till this thing blows over. You're going to wait this chick out. Yeah. <laughs> Coincidentally, what movie are you seeing tonight, Tom? The Nun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So anyway, this kept going. And then by Thursday or Friday of the week... She comes in and she's all smiley and she's like, you know what, guys, I prayed on it and I've seen the light and I've come to forgive the person who did the wrongdoing. You're all able to go out for recess. I'm sorry. Let's move past this. See and it? like everybody's like, oh, it's okay. And they're still a little salty. But like in my mind, I'm like, I just freaking won, baby. Yeah. Like that's a huge victory Point for me. Tom. Hell yeah. Did I, Jesus? I'm, per- I'm pretty sure Miss Fox got some on Thursday night. And Friday morning, she was like, why the hell am I keeping these kids in the recess all this time? Somebody help Miss Fox out. <laughs> She's like, I'm actually kind of a huge bitch yeah. when you think about it. Wow. Go out to recess. Those kids aren't so bad now. I was going to say, Jesus came down into her dreams and said, you are being a tight wound bitch and you've got to pull it together. Yeah. It wasn't about her figuring out that you needed forgiveness. It was that she needed to get so she could feel better about herself and there was talk at some point in the heat of it that like kids were calling out like let's have everybody sw- with their right hand on the Bible and a- over their chest and swear that they didn't do it and like fifth grade me is like deep in the propaganda of the Catholic Church at this point so like I'm freaking the hell out I'm like oh my god I'm gonna have to swear on the Bible lie about it because I'm still not gonna admit it and go to freaking hell later because I just let out an uh, um whenever Tom- Mrs. Fox was like you have to do homework tonight see Tom you should have realized the system early you could have swore on the Bible and said, oh, I didn't do it. What wasn't me. Then you go to confession that week. You tell them, hey, I swore on a Bible. I'm sorry. You do your Hail Marys. Everything's wiped clean. You're good. I didn't know how to play the system. You got to play right. the system when you're when you're in a Catholic school. Works out good. I'm just glad Miss Fox got some. Me too, honestly, because recess on Friday was great. You said she had braces? For a while there, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Whoever she was getting some with did not have as much fun as he should have had. Like making love to a barbed wire fence. Yeah. Mark Andre Fleury was so good. He was like a barbed wire fence. They haven't gotten any better. It's like a brick wall, Mark Andre Fleury was back in the day. I'm ironing out some things in my game, okay, boys? I think Mark andre Fleury needs to iron out some things in his game. Didn't play well last night against the Washington Capitals. Has not played well over the course of the season, and Vegas already looks to be a disappointment. Now, it's way early, and I love their roster, and I don't think they're going to be a disappointment. They're going to be a playoff team, but he's not playing well. They're not playing well. And have you heard the expression... You know, being a parent is just, you know, half the job is just being there, right? And I think there's something to be said about that. Someone who's there that you can put your head on their shoulder to cry on. They'll put a Band-Aid on you, boo-boo, oh, right, Tom? Give you a pep talk when you're feeling down. Being there matters. Matt Murray's not injury-prone. I hate that description. He's had 
real bad luck and maybe is more likely to have a concussion, but saying injury-prone is such a negative connotation. But he has been unlucky and hurt a bunch his first few years. Three concussions, six overall injuries in his time as a Penguin. Marc-Andre Fleury is the best goaltender in Penguins history. But he wasn't always the best goalie in the league. In fact, there were plenty of years where he wasn't in the top ten. One thing, though, that he always was, was there. Available. 62, 67, 65, 67, 64, 64. That's how many games he played each season, discounting the lockout shortened year, leading up to when Matt Murray entered the fold. This means that a backup wasn't traipsing in and out of the lineup. It adds consistency, makes it easier on the team in front of him. So appreciate Flower for what he did in his last two years and in 2009 for helping the Penguins win the Cup. But don't take for granted his ability to always be on the ice when you needed him. Because, spoiler alert, it looks like Matt Murray's going to be just the opposite there. He's like the Bo Bennett of goaltending, except actually good. As I mentioned, the Knights are coming off of a loss against the Capitals. Flurry has been left out to dry this year and hasn't been very good when he hasn't been. But this is the second time this season where the Penguins are benefiting from getting that extra rest. It's nice to see them get two early season breaks, right? They didn't get any last year. Two Stanley Cup championships back-to-back, and they played 19 sets of back-to-back last year. This year, they get Washington after they'd already played against Boston. Tonight, they get Vegas a night after they already played the Washington Capitals. The Penguins need to use this to their advantage. This has to be advantageous for them. Because if it meant so much to not be that team before, you'd have to think it means that much to be the team that's rested this time around, right? You can't be a person who bitched and moaned. This is very Tim Ben's take. You can't be the kind of person to bitch and moan about the Penguins getting the shaft last year, thinking it made that big of a difference, and not think it makes a big difference this year. So you'd like to see the Penguins take advantage of it. The other thing I'm looking forward to tonight, and it feels like it's been forever since they've played hockey, is I'm excited to see how the Penguins respond to a challenge. Championship teams step up when called out. This team is that. And if they plan on getting back to where they were the two years prior to last year, then they've got to be able to step up their game when called upon by their coach. That's the one thing Mike Sullivan's always able, you'd think, to get out of him. If you don't play well, if there's a bad stretch, he turns it around with video and otherwise. Malkin called the team out two years ago. It was a game against Columbus. They played terribly. Played a game terribly against the New Jersey Devils, too. Malkin called them out, and the Penguins responded. He responded. Things you got to be looking forward to tonight. We'll talk to Josh Joey coming up at 620 about this. Our attention to detail, compete level, faster to pucks, pinch properly, good gap. Things they really hadn't been doing a lot of over the course of the first two games of the season. And the thing that really sticks out to me there is the compete level. That's never been an issue, you thought, with the Penguins. Last year, fatigue was brought up. I don't recall at any point, well, they didn't compete hard enough. So for the first time, Mike Sullivan says they did not compete hard enough. You're not getting to enough 50-50 pucks. It helps in the face-off dot whenever you have an opportunity, whenever you uh, do play with a little bit more of an edge. So look for guys like Hornquist to get after it tonight. Look for guys like Brian Russ, Jake Gensel, the guys who go to those dirty areas. Look for him to do it even more so tonight. 
And, of course, you can look to Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin and Chris Letang, the leaders of this team. But Letang's been one of the guys who's absolutely guiltiest of this. Not about compete level. That guy never takes a damn playoff. But the decision-making. And then the other thing you're going to see is Ricola playing in place of Olimata. I don't think it's fair that Olimata was the sacrificial lamb, but he was. Somebody needed to be. Somebody had to get it, or Mike Sullivan had to get it through their heads. Somebody had to sit because this can't go on. And last year, the way that they continued to press on, even in the face of playing poorly, nothing was done. Well, now something's being done. Two games in, Mike Sullivan's acting like it's playoff time. I love it, baby. We'll have Josh Yoey joining us at 620 to talk all things Penguins. Coming up next, though, Ray Fittipaldo of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Bengals, Steelers, ferocity, blood, sweat, guts. Or is it just another AFC North matchup? He'll tell us when we return. It's the Crowley Show. The Adam Crowley Show. Uh, we got to earn tomorrow. That's French. <laughs> That's yeah. your French. Yes. We, me, 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 woo, poo, poo. Very good French. I agree. That was excellent. So good. I could do Radko Gudis. <laughs> the Flyers going to win. We are going to earn tomorrow. Adam Crowley. It's not even funny. On ESPN Pittsburgh. Steelers and Bengals this week. I'm going to be joined by Ray Fittipaldo in a couple of minutes here on the Crowley Show. Mr. Richard joins us now on the phone lines at 412-922-2874. What's up, Mr. Richard? Well, a little bit earlier you were talking about lying. And I can only think of one lie that I ever told my entire life. And that's when I told a woman that she has kind hair. And she says, what do you mean kind hair? I said the kind you find on the dog. You know what? I'm just gonna. I didn't like where that I'm was I'm just going. gonna stop that one before we get there. We will never allow our airwaves to be saturated with that kind of nonsense, That's filth, vulgarity. Yeah, that could have gone four different ways, and all of them were bad. It was not going to be good. No, nope, it wouldn't have ended up well for that. Life. And we do not ever tolerate profanity on these airwaves. Horrible. It's an awful thing. We are FCC compliant always. We are joined now by Ray Fittipaldo of the Pittsburgh Post Gazette. I'm sure there'll be some profanity on the field when the Steelers meet the Bengals this weekend. Ray, how are you, buddy? I'm doing good, Adam. What's going on? Uh, not a whole lot. When you look at Steelers Bengals, is there a different feel amongst the players with this game than there is with the Ravens with the Browns? Yeah, I mean, I, I think uh, a lot of the Steelers hate the Ravens. Um, rivalry in higher regard, and I think that this series is more, um, we know we have to keep our head on the swivel, and we have to protect yourself out there. I still think they respect the Bengals as a team, they, you know, these, these Steelers think that they have talent, um, even though the Steelers have had their ratings in the years, but in terms of playing the game clean and, and that sort of thing, there's just a different vibe this week. Um, there's a respect there for the talent that the Bengals 
um, have accumulated over the years, but there's really not a respect when it comes to how those guys have chosen to play the game, at least recently since Montez Burford came on. Do you expect, do they expect, I guess is a better question, do they expect more antics from Vontez Perfect? And I guess the secondary part of that would be, do you expect other things to happen with Vontez Perfect? Well, I do, but, you know, the Steelers line this week, and it started really after, after that Falcons game ended, it was, we need this game for our standing in the AFC North. We want to play, play a clean game, and, you know, we want to leave that stuff out of it, but Having said that, they all know that they can't control what the Bengals do, and there's a distinct possibility, excuse me, that uh, some of those guys might get pulled into um, some extracurricular stuff if, um, if provoked. So um, you never really know what's going to happen um, in a Bengals game. More often than not, there's some shenanigans, but um, I really do think because of the importance of this game for the Steelers, they want to just go in there, get a win, and get out of there without any of the, uh, you know, the extracurricular stuff hampering the efforts. Not that the Steelers would ever say that they don't think that they're going to go into a stadium and win a game, but do you sense confidence when they play Cincinnati? Do you sense that they expect to win those games? Yeah, I don't think you can help it, Adam. I, there's just one crazy stat um, that I was looking up this week. Um, in 18 consecutive games, uh, I think this goes back to 2009, 18 consecutive games, they have held the Bengals to 21 points or fewer. So they played well against them for almost the entirety of Mike Collins' tenure, and even going back before that um, with Bill Collins. So it's almost impossible not to feel confident going into this game um, because of the success that they've had um, really for a decade or more now. Um, Like I said at the top, they they respect Vontaze Perfect as a player. They respect Carlos Dunlap and Geno Atkins and Tyler Boyd and A.J. Green. It's just that at some point in these games over the years, one of those guys does something stupid and they give the advantage to the Steelers. And, um, you know, I, I, I think, you know, they, I think they've won five in a row now, um, in Cincinnati. You can take a play here, a play there, a dump penalty here, a dump penalty there. And, you know, the Bengals could be, you know, up three to two when you look at the past five games. So it's been a really close series. But to answer your question, yeah, I, I do think the Steelers, uh, they feel very confident whenever they play the Bengals. Ray Fittipaldo of the Post-Gazette joining us here on the Crowley Show. Do you believe in the Bengals, Ray? I don't. I look at the uh, defensive numbers, 23 against the run. I don't think they're much better against the pass. I think the Steelers are going to be able to move the ball against them. I look at this team without Tyler Eifert, and I'm, I'm, I'm struggling to know where they're going to go if the Steelers shut A.J. Green down. And, yes, Tyler Boyd is having a really good season. He's got 30 catches. That's four more than A.J. Green. But if I'm the Steelers, I'm saying, hey, if Tyler Boyd is, is able to go off and have a great game, I'll take my chances. Um, they don't have a ton of weapons other than Tyler Boyd and A.J. Green. So I think this is a game that um, the matchups, I think, favor the Steelers. Um, it's just one of those things, Adam. You know, one of these years, one of these days, the Bengals are going to take a step. They are going to win the division. Sometimes it's one of those years when things just go right for you. With where the Steelers are now, with where the Bengals are now, I'm just wondering 
is this going to be that year where maybe they get that W on Sunday and things start falling into place for them? Uh, they need to get it right because if they don't, then all that doubt's going to creep in in Cincinnati, wouldn't you have to think? Oh, yeah. I mean, if the Steelers pull within a half game uh, of the Bengals by, by Sunday night, I don't think there's any way the Bengals are going to win a division this year. However, if they go three games up in the win column, I could see them building confidence. You know, some of those, you know, those old bugaboos against the Steelers and the Ravens, maybe they'll go away and they could barely, you know, get over the hump this year and maybe even win a playoff game. Who knows? But until that happens, um, no, until that happens, I'm not going to be a big believer in, in Marvin Lewis's club. Is Joe Hayden going to shadow A.J. Green? Yeah, I mean, we talked to Joe yesterday off the process, and, you know, he said it was uh, Mike Tomlin's call, but he also intimated that, uh, you know, he's put in his two cents and would like to have that assignment again. Um, he, he was talking yesterday, it was really interesting. He feels like he matches up better with those bigger receivers because he's got those long arms and he's able to get his hands on them. Whereas, if you remember, his matchups with Antonio Brown when Joe was with the Browns, they didn't always work out that well because Antonio's a, a shiftier guy. You know, like, like a Tyree Kill, he gets off the line and he's able to get into his routes quicker. Um, guys like Julio, guys like A.J. Green, they're great over-the-top receivers, but if you can get your hands on them and you can redirect them, they're not going to have as much success. So Joe's had great success against Julio and A.J. over the years, and um, yeah, I would suspect that uh, he would draw that assignment again on Sunday. I wasn't expecting the Steelers to miss Mike Hilton as much as they did when he was out. He's a really good football player. Yeah, great off the edge as a blitzer. Um, he really hits hard, too. and He's a good tackler. and He's not bad in coverage either. So, that for, you know, for a guy who doesn't have ideal size, and I, I think he's listed um, at 5'10", and probably generously at mm-hmm. that, um, he's just a really good football player. And, um, you know, we saw what, what happened when Joe Hayden was out of the lineup. The result wasn't good against the Chiefs, and even when, when Mike Hilton was out, you saw a little dip um, in the play of the secondary. So if they can keep all those guys healthy, I'm not telling you they're going to be the greatest secondary in the league, but if Joe's doing his thing on the outside and Mike is holding down the slot, I, I think they got a chance to be pretty decent. More blitzing last week, Ray, or just better picking spots, switching up the four rushers who were coming? What was the deal with that? Yeah, I mean, Mike said no on Tuesday, and uh, Keith Butler was asked about that again today, and he just said it was more, I mean, the, the timing was better than anything. Um, but listen, with, with the success that they had um, against Matt Ryan, um, who's not a mobile quarterback, Andy Dalton is probably a little bit more mobile, but he's not exactly um, Michael Vick either. So I, I think if, if they want to employ um, a similar game plan this week, it will make you know, a lot of sense. You're facing um, the same big receiver, you know, like, like Julio Jones and, and A.J. Green, and I think the quarterbacks are, are fairly similar, too. So um, I wouldn't be surprised if they decided to, to bring some pressure again. Um, but I think the biggest key is T.J. Watt getting home as much as he did. Um, I like his matchup this week against Bobby Hunter. Cam Hayward against this uh, interior um, uh, offensive line of the Bengals. I like his matchup too. So um, they might not have to bring pressure. If, if TJ Watts, Stefan Two, and Cam Hayward are getting home, um, you know, this could be a pretty good situation for the Steelers on Sunday. Ray Fittipaldo, the Post Gazette, joining us here on the Crowley Show. 
the offensive line played great last week, and I know a lot of people were talking about James Conner, and rightfully so. James Conner had a very good football game. But to me, the key of the entire offense is the offensive line. Find an identity, run the football, uh, and then build around that. Do you think that they see it the same way? Yeah, and it's amazing uh, what a difference a week makes because against the Ravens, when they didn't commit to the run, everyone was saying the offensive line played terrible, and now they're playing great. And I get it, but I, you know, I think I said the same thing last week. It all stems from that commitment to the run. You have to keep at it, and I think that was um, a big key in that victory against the Falcons. Um, they established it early. The Falcons really never knew what the Steelers were going to do offensively. Um, they could sort of pick their poison. We're going to run this play. We're going to pass this play. And um, they had a great run-pass balance. And I think if you can accomplish the same thing um, against Geno Atkins and against Carlos Dunlap, they're not going to. Um, they're not going. If they don't know if it's going to be a run or a pass, they're not going to be able to turn their ears back and and harass them the office the, the way they want to. So I think it's a big key again this week. Um, as I mentioned before, the, the Bengals are 23rd against the run. You can run against them. I think if the Steelers want to win on Sunday, James Conner is probably going to have to have over 100 yards again or, or pretty close to it. Ray, Stefan Tewitt's got no sacks, no tackles for loss. I mean, that's hugely disappointing through five games. Yeah, it is. But I thought he was better last week against the yeah. Falcons, even though he didn't have a sack. Um, did not have a good first four games of the season. Uh, I'm sure he's looking forward to getting that first one under his belt, and maybe one when he does that, you know, we'll come in bunches. But it hasn't been a good uh, a good start to the season for him. And uh, the longer this goes on, the more people are going to be pointing to that contract that he signed before last season, and how um, you know he, he's not worth the ten million dollars a year that they're paying him. But I thought he took a step last week. Um, like I said, I, I, I like the matchup. Um, for Hayward and Tua um, against the, the interior of, of the Bengals offensive line. I think they're decent inside, but I, I don't think they're great. And if you notice last week, the, the push up the middle from Hargrave, um, from Hayward, they were getting great push up front. And Ryan wasn't able to step up. He wasn't able to elude the rush. If they could do that same thing against Dalton, um, I think it could be a good day for the Steelers defense. Last couple of things for you, Ray. T.J. Watt, how good can he be? Boy, if, if he can string together a couple of games and you know not have two or three in a row where you know he doesn't have any sacks, um, you know he, he's trending like he's going to be a double-digit guy this year. I mean, he's on pace for eighteen or nineteen, I think. And I, at this point, the way he is right now, um, I'd be shocked if he didn't get at least twelve or thirteen. Um, you know, I think the move over to the, to the other side has helped him. Um, I think he's much better at containing the quarterback and sort of reading what the quarterback wants to do. Um, I, I thought the splash play last week with the strip room behind was, was really what the Steelers were looking for. I mean, that's what they had for generations with their outside linebackers, and it's just been missing for the last couple of years here for whatever reason. You know, that hasn't really panned out the way they thought. If TJ can provide those plays on the outside where they're getting the strip sacks like they used to with Lamar Woodley and Greg Lloyd, if they can produce those and they can give that offense short field where they can score defensive touchdowns, um, that's going to take a lot of pressure off everyone on this team. So I'm really impressed with uh, the Cleveland game and the 
game last week against the Falcons. He just needs to do it a little bit more consistently and not sure to have those walls in his plate like he had there for a two or three game stretch um, between those games. Ray, is the Antonio Brown thing affect the team at all? Uh, I mean, I, it probably affects them a little bit, but Adam, I mean, this, this stuff has been going on for years now. <laughs> And I'm, I'm quite sure that they know how to compartmentalize it and sort of put it, you know, into the background. But I mean, listen, eventually everyone's going to get sick of this stuff, and um, you know, it, this is going to affect them in some way. But I, I just think they've been able to deal with it in the past. Um, they they found ways to win, even though all of this drama is going on around them. So as of right now, I don't think so. But stay tuned and see what they do next week. Ray, appreciate the time, buddy, as always. Thanks a lot. All right, Adam. Talk to you later. All right, that's Ray Fittipaldo of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Coming up next, the great unsponsored football segment filled with knowledge and fun. <clears throat> a little bit of phlegm. Brought to you by To Be Determined. It's a Crowley Show. The Adam Crowley Show. Love you, 970 ESPN. It's Adam Crowley, I think it is. He's a good guy. He really is. He's a good host. I enjoy being, you know, and now we're talking about a weekly spot of the show. And I'm just telling Adam. I better be picked. Freebies are up. Adam Crowley on ESPN Pittsburgh. It is the Crowley Show. Got the great unsponsored football segment filled with knowledge and fun brought to you by To Be Determined coming up in a few minutes. Right now we're joined by Jerry Schmidt, the head coach of the Duquesne Dukes big football game this weekend uh, against the Robert Morris University Colonials. Uh, Coach, uh, my condolences to you guys in the program, and I understand football secondary at a time like this. We don't need to get into any detail. I'm not going to ask you to do that, but condolences there. Um, And the football game this weekend does take a back seat, but uh, it is a big one uh, between two city rivals. That's no doubt, and thank you uh, for your condolences. I think that for us to get back into a normal routine this week is helping our guys heal. And uh, really, it's good to play a crosstown rival, and it's two, two good programs, two FCS programs in the city of Pittsburgh. I always say it's arguably the best football town in the country. So it's a great, great game to see. How excited have your kids been throughout the years, and certainly this year, um, with with that kind of game being there on the horizon, I know that uh, both the uh, men's and women's basketball teams they'll be signing autographs at Rooney Field starting at 6 p.m. prior to the game. So certainly a little bit of gusto there. It's certainly a big event, night game on ESPN three. Um, so it, for us, it's it's great. The kids love it. They get excited about it. Uh, big event in the city, and um, you know it's it's football time, and that, that's what we're counting on our guys getting some juice going. You know, every every year it's a great game. Always a great game. Tough game. Well, what do you expect from your guys in terms of that? I mean, I, do you have to kind of talk them? We've been talking about Steelers, Bengals, about extracurriculars, kind of walking <laughs> that line. I mean, do you have to do that a little bit in this one too? Yeah, there's no doubt. Over the years, there's a little chippiness in this game, and uh, hopefully, everybody keeps their head. We we talked to our guys about that being smart, playing physical, but be smart about it. You know, uh, play within the rules and. You know, it's fun to see. It's, it's a fun game for me to watch. It's great to coach also. Jerry, appreciate the time. Uh, good luck this weekend, and God bless. 
thank you. Always great to talk with you. You too. That's Jerry Schmidt, head coach of the Duquesne Dukes. Obviously a very difficult program, uh, difficult a week for that program uh, over there on the bluff uh, with the passing of Marquise Brown. It's not something that the coaches want to get into. Uh, it's really hard. People deal with things in different ways, and that program is going to do their best to push forward. But uh, condolences to the program, condolences to Marquise Brown and their family. I am terrible at transitions. This might be the worst one ever, but the show must go on. It is time for the great unsponsored football segment filled with knowledge and fun brought to you by To Be Determined. And now it's time for the great unsponsored football segment filled with knowledge and fun brought to you by To Be Determined. Woo! Admittedly not great there, but I'm bad at this. What can I say? I'm screwing up all over the place here on this program. Woo! I told you before... On yesterday's show, that after five great weeks of Thursday night football, Giants and Eagles was going to bring out a lot of uh, Thursday night football sucks takes. And I've already seen them. I heard the people across the street talking about it. Uh, You saw a bunch of people on Twitter.com talking about it. Eagles and Giants tonight. And hey, I concur. Eagles-Giants doesn't really get my blood pumping. I know it's the world champs. I know it's Saquon Barkley. Uh, I know that it's for supremacy in the NFC East. But it ain't great. But that doesn't mean that Thursday Night Football's been bad throughout the year. It means tonight has the potential to be bad. And you know what? It could very well wind up being a good football game. So let's not cast stones. Let's not say it's going to suck before we actually know whether or not it's going to suck. Woo! It's time to go around the room. Tom, do you think tonight's game's going to suck? It's going to be a dumpster fire. I, you will not catch me dead watching a second of this NFL game. Brian, is tonight's game going to suck? There are porn stars that suck less than this game tonight. Amen, brother. It could be good. I will steer you, though, towards Big 12 football as Texas Tech and TCU will be going at it in Fort Worth, Texas. Woo! Let me know there's going to be fireworks. You know it's going to be entertaining. It doesn't have to be the best kind of football. It'll be more entertaining probably, though, than Giants and Eagles. Here are some things to look for, though, if you do want to watch that game. It's the heart of a champion game, right? That's what the promo should say. Do the Eagles still have the heart of a champion? Can they still power through? That's the football equivalent of uh, she's got a great personality. Well, at least you can watch Saquon and his... Big old quads. Woo! Am I allowed to do a burning question? No. No. Only regular questions. No burning questions outside of Tuesday's burning question day. How about a lukewarm question? You're pushing it, but I think I'll allow it. Gronk or Kelsey right now? Ooh. That's that's pretty burning. That's not burning. That's That's not burning. It's it's lukewarm. That's not. There it is. That's not. No! Give me Kelsey, though, right? Right now, yes. Right? Even though I right. think Kelsey constantly plays with a concussion. Real, like, he really looks like he's concussed all the time. <laughs> I think Gronkowski's a robot. Or at least he partial is. robot. He's got, like, bad oil or, like, there's bad, like, cog or wheel somewhere. Like, it just needs to be fixed by, like, the robot factor. His elbow guard fell off the other week, <laughs> and I thought he lost an arm. Yeah, that was, that was actually a component, they call it, on him. What's the movie that was in black and white everyone loves? Oh, Wizard of Oz. I've seen that one. 
It's also in color. Both. Partially. You never saw it. The Tin Man! You gotta squirt some oil on him? I feel like they have to do yeah, that for Rob Gronkowski before brown. every game. Yeah. <laughs> Belichick walks down the line. Brady, you ready? Yes. Sony Michelle, you good. Yes. Defense, stay in your gaps. Lane integrity. Hey, D coordinator, did you make sure to oil up Rob Gronkowski? Did you change the oil? Who the hell forgot to oil up Gronkowski? I would take Kelsey, but I think Gronkowski's the greatest tight end of all time. With all due respect to Tony Gonzalez, with all due respect, no one else really is in that conversation, frankly. I mean, no, really not. See, I think it would have been a better question if you were like Kelsey or an oiled-up Gronk. In their primes, I mean, Gronk (laughs) dominates Kelsey. Yeah, yeah. I think Kelsey's the same kind of player in that he plays pissed off, and he's going to eventually in his career need a defensive coordinator to shove the oil can in his rectum. (laughs) This question's, I don't think, burning, but it is a question. Better not be. It's a question. Who finishes with more sacks this year, TJ Watt or JJ Watt? It's kind of a burning question. I, I feel think. like that's it's more not burning. No, it's so. lukewarm. Yeah, I feel like that was more lukewarm than the last one. But it's looking for heat. That it question's is looking, looking for, heat. for heat. You know what? Oh no! That oh, was a burning question. Oh, Why are you doing this? Thank You're you, breaking Tom. the rules. You are <laughs> all over the place today. What was the question? TJ or JJ? Who comes up with more sacks? That's sacks. S a c k s. So JJ's gonna get hurt, right? Yes, that's I mean, exactly why I'd go with TJ. But yeah. TJ will only have sacks in half the game. That's what I mean. Yes. Oh, boy. Yeah. So TJ is going to play all the games and have sacks in half of them. JJ's going to play all the games but have sacks in all of them. Wait, then, no, 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 no. See, what you, where you went wrong is JJ's got about four or five more games left before he gets out for the season due to injury. So in those four to five games, can JJ get enough sacks to hold off Watt, who's only going to be getting sacks in every other game? Right, we're looking, we're looking at kind of a sustained stack, sack number from JJ, and then TJ's going to get his, like, in spurts. Yes. Did I reverse the Watts? They're, they're so hard to keep track this of. This is very difficult. They both and have J's. They do, and really... Up until this year, so I guess only last year, because it's the only year that he was a stealer, I called him J.J. Watt all the damn time. It's hard now. It really really is. is. This is a question, but again, it's not burning. It's not burning. I'll be the judge of that. I even asked you guys before the show, am I allowed to do burning questions on a Thursday? And the answer is, it's a resounding no. Well, no, they're just question questions. So, is there ever a bad time for a buy? Because you hear it all the time. Oh, this team getting the bye at the right time. It's a great time for the bye. Oh, this team's going to be well-rested when they play such and such. I don't think there's ever in the history of football been a bad time for a bye. Yeah, I've never once gotten a vacation and been like, wow, you know what? This is a crappy time for vacation. I really hate going to the beach right now. I wish it was next week instead of this week. Yeah, you know, I mean, with this bye, this really sucks because I'll probably forget how to play football. Seriously. Get out of shape. I mean, that's a whole week. Well, T.J. Watt is going to forget how to play football because he wants to practice in pads more. Is it bad that I agree with him? I mean, I know it'll never happen, but like five days a week, put pads on. The league, Sorry. The league should go back to that, but they can't. They never would. They man. can't, they no. Would. And I think you're only allowed 14 padded practices over the course of the 17-week season. So if he wants the Steelers to do it more, that's great, but they can't. Uh, as for the league itself, I do think that there is... 
is an argument to be made that guys get more injured if they're not practicing their technique enough during the week. This is not a question, but it is hot. I am giddy. Absolutely giddy. Giddy. Giddy about Patriots Chiefs. I don't know what that was. That is going to be a good one. Oh, my God. Here comes the question, though. Is there any doubt that the Patriots win that game? Oh, my God. They're going to slaughter the Chiefs. I'm talking like first Thanksgiving level slaughter. Like this is like the return the return of a tribe who found their kinsmen slaughtered oh, yeah. and they're taking it out on them. That's yes. what's happening, right? In Foxborough. I guarantee it's history, you, Crowley. Don't look at us yeah, like that. Are you going to pretend like it didn't happen? That's yeah. ignorant of you. I thought yeah. they all hung out and ate turkey. That's what happened at first. Yeah. Things uh, went downhill then, quick. Then they killed each other. Yeah, things went downhill <laughs> quick. Wait, why do we celebrate? Anyhow. The scariest thing you see on TV in the month of October is what the Patriots are going to do to the Chiefs on Sunday night. It's yeah. going to be a slaughterhouse. Yeah, I mean, if this was prison, I mean, <laughs> you, you fill in the rest. Segment really got away from me there. <laughs> Frankly, from the start. That's the great unsponsored football segment filled with knowledge and fun. Brought to you by 2B Determined. Woo! Lukewarm questions edition. <laughs> that was, there was some hot. Yeah, they got a little heated. Coming up next, the Steelers return to the scene of the Ryan Shazier injury, and it's got me having all the feels. Sorry, Tim Bent. It's a Crowley Show.